hardcore in the Stone Age. Here's a head scratcher. Why do so many heterosexual men get off on pornography featuring groups of guys having sex with just one woman? It doesn't add up, if you think about it. It's more cones than ice cream. And the suggestive strangeness doesn't end with the counterintuitive male-to-female ratio. It's male ejaculate that puts the money in the money shot. Researchers have confirmed that porn producers already know. Men tend to get turned on by images depicting an environment in which sperm competition is clearly at play, though few we imagine think of it in quite these terms. Images and videos showing up, either showing one woman with multiple males, are far more popular on the internet and in commercial pornography than those depicting one male with multiple females. A quick peek at the online offerings at Adult Video Universe lists over 900 titles in the gangbang genre, but only 27 listed under reverse gangbang. You do the math. Why would the males in a species that's been wearing the shackles of monogamy for 1.9 million years, supposedly, be sexually excited by scenes of groups of men ejaculating with one or two women? Skeptics may argue that this arousal could reflect nothing more than commercial interests or a passing fashion. Fair enough, but what to make of experimental evidence that men viewing erotic material suggestive of sperm competition, two men with one woman, produce ejaculates containing a higher percentage of motile sperm than men viewing explicit images of only three women? And why does being cuckolded consist, consistently appear at or near the top of married men's sexual fantasies, according to experts ranging from Alfred Kinsey to Dan Savage? As far as we know, there is no corresponding taste among women for erotica, featuring multiple overweight middle-aged ladies with cheap tattoos, bad haircuts, and black socks having sex with one hot guy. Go figure. Could this male appetite for multi-male scenes be an echo of the porn of the Pleistocene? Keep in mind the variety of societies discussed previously in which women assist and inspire teams of workers or hunters by making themselves available for sequential sex. The same dynamic is hinted on, hinted at on any given Sunday with fluttering pom-poms, the shortest of shorts and the highest of kicks ending with sexy young legs spread right down to the astroturf. While there are other conceivable explanations for such oddities of contemporary life, they certainly align well with prehistoric characterized by sperm competition. Go Trojans! Sometimes a penis is just a penis.
Quote, we are right to note the license and disobedience of this member, which thrusts itself forward too inopportunely when we do not want it to, and which is inopportunely lets us down when we must need it. It imperiously contests for authority with our will. It stubbornly and proudly refuses all our incitements, both of the mind and the hand. By Michael Montaigne on the penis, his presumably. Don't be distracted by the snickering. The human male takes his genitalia very seriously. In ancient Rome, rich boys were wore a bulla, a locket holding a replica of a tiny hard-on. This rocket in a locket was known as a fascinum and signified the young man's upper-class status. Quote, Today, writes David Friedman in a mind of its own, his amusing and erudite history of the penis, 1,500 years after the fall of Imperial Rome, anything as powerful or intriguing as an erection is said to be fascinating. Unquote. Going back a bit further, rather farther, we find that in the biblical books of Genesis and Exodus, Jacob's children sprang from his thigh. Most historians agree that thigh is actually a polite way of referring to that which hangs between a man's thighs. Quote, it seems clear, writes Friedman, that sacred oaths between Israelites were sealed by placing a hand on the male member. Unquote. So, according to Friedman, at least the act of swearing on one's balls lives on in the world today. Historical oddities aside, some argue that moderately sized human testicles and lower human sperm concentration relative to chimpanzees and bonobos disprove any significant sperm competition in human evolution. True, the reported range of human sperm concentration of 60 to 235 times 10 to the power of 6 per milliliter pales in comparison to that of chimps an impressive 548 times 10 to the power of 6. But not all sperm competition is created equal. For example, some species have seminal fluid that forms a copulatory plug, serving to block the entrance of any subsequent sperm into the cervical canal. Species engaging in this type of sperm competition, snakes, rodents, some insects, kangaroos, typically wield penises with elaborate hooks or curlicues at the end of that function to pull any previous male's plug out of the cervical opening, though at least one team of researchers report data suggesting men who copulate frequently produce semen that coagulates for a longer time. Copulatory plugs don't appear to be in the human sexual arsenal. Despite its lack of curly cues, the human penis is not without interesting design features. Primate sexuality expert Alan Dixon writes, In primates, which live in family groups consisting of an adult pair, plus offspring such as gibbons, 
the male usually has a small and relatively unspecialized penis. Unquote. Say what you will about the human penis, but it ain't small or unspecialized. Reproductive biologist Roger Short writes, The great size of the erect human penis is marked in contrast to that of the great apes. Makes one wonder what particular evolutionary forces have been at work. Unquote. Geoffrey Miller just comes out and says, Adult males, adult male humans, have the longest, thickest, and most flexible penises of any living primate. Unquote. So there. Homo sapiens, the great ape with the great penis. The unusual flared glands of the human penis forming the coronal ridge combined with the repeated thrusting action characteristic of human intercourse ranging anywhere from 10 to 500 thrusts per romantic interlude, creates a vacuum in the female's reproductive tract. This vacuum pulls any previously deposited semen away from the ovum, thus aiding the sperm about to be sent into action. But wouldn't this vacuum action also draw away a man's own sperm? No, because upon ejaculation, the head of the penis shrinks in size, before any loss of tumescence, stiffness in the shaft, thus neutralizing the suction that might have pulled his own boys back. Very clever. Penis length on average of African apes, human. 13 centimeters, bonobo and chimp, 8 centimeters, gorillas, 3 centimeters. It's tiny. Intrepid researchers have demonstrated this process known as sperm displacement. Using artificial sperm made of cornstarch, the same recipe used to simulate exaggerated ejac ejaculates in many pornographic films, latex vaginas, and artificial penises in a proper university laboratory setting. Professor Gordon G. Gallup and his team reported that more than 90% of the cornstarch mixture was displaced with just a single thrust of their lab penis. Quote, we theorize that as a consequence of competition for paternity, human males evolved uniquely configured penises that functioned to displace semen from the vagina left by other males. Unquote. Gallup told BBC News Online. It bears repeating that the human penis is the longest and thickest of any primates, in both absolute and relative terms. And despite all the bad press they get, men last far longer in the saddle than bonobos, which is 15 seconds, chimps, 7 seconds, or gorillas, 60 seconds, clocking in about 4 and 7 minutes on average. The chimpanzee penis, meanwhile, is a thin conical appendage without the flared glands of the human member nor is sustained thrusting common to chimpanzee or bonobo copulation. But really, 
how much sustained anything can you expect in seven seconds? So, while our closest ape cousins may have us beat in the testicles department, they lose to the human penis on size, duration, and cool design features. Furthermore, the average seminal volume in a human ejaculate is about four times that of chimpanzees, bringing the total number of sperm cells per ejaculate within range of the chimps. Returning to the question of whether the human scrotum is half empty or half full, the very existence of the external human scrotum suggests sperm's competition in human evolution. Gorillas and gibbons, like most other mammals, don't engage in sperm competition, generally aren't equipped for it. A scrotum is like a pair spare refrigerator in the garage just for beer. If you've got spare beer, fridge, you're probably the type who expects a party to break out at any moment. You want to be prepared. A scrotum fulfills that same function. By keeping the testicles a few degrees cooler than they would be inside the body, a scrotum allows chilled spermatozoa to accumulate and remain viable longer, available if needed. Anyone who's been kicked in the beer fridge can tell you this is a potentially costly arrangement. The increased vulnerability of having testes out there in the wind, inviting attack or accident rather than tucked away safely inside the body, is hard to overstate. Especially if you're crump, crumpled in the fetal position, unable to breathe. Given the unrelenting logic of evolutionary cost-benefit analyses, you can be quite certain that this is not an adaptation without good reason. Why carry the tools if you don't have the job? There's compelling evidence pointing to a dramatic reduction in human sperm production and testicular volume in recent times. Researchers have documented worrisome decreases in average sperm count as well as reduced vitality of the sperm that do survive. One researcher suggests that average sperm counts in Danish men have plummeted from 113 times 10 to the power of 6 in 1940 to about half that in 1990, 66. The last of potential, potential causes for the collapse is long ranging from estrogen-like compounds in soybeans and the milk of pregnant cows to pesticides, fertilizers, and growth hormones in cattle and chemicals used in plastics. Research Recent research suggests the widely prescribed antidepressant paroxetine, sold as seroxat or Paxil, may damage DNA in sperm cells. The human reproduction study at the University of Rochester found that men whose mothers had eaten beef more than seven times per week while pregnant were three times more likely to be classified as subfertile, fewer than 20 million sperm per milliliter of seminal fluid. Among those son, sons of beef eaters, the rate of subfertile was 17.7% as opposed to 5.7% among men whose mothers ate beef less often. Humans seem to have much more sperm-producing tissue than any monogamous or polygynous primate would need. Men produce only about one-third to one-eighth as much sperm per gram of spermatogenic tissue as eight other mammals tested. 
Researchers have noted similar surplus capacities in other aspects of human sperm and semen production physiology.